0: To 1 Timothy chapter 6. There are also some Bibles for you in the chair rack in front of you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to read uh, verses, um, the end of verse 2 through verse 10, and I invite you just to follow along as I read. Paul says this to Timothy, Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your words. And I pray that even now you would enable me by your spirit to say what your word says. And I pray that you would give all of us, young and old alike, ears to hear what you have to to say. And Father, would you enable us by your spirit to receive it and believe it and live our lives according to it we believe that this is what is best for us but we also know that this is what will honor your great name so help us i pray in jesus name amen well as I think you know, open-heart surgery is delicate, it's complicated, and in fact, it is life-saving. My father had two open-heart surgeries about a month apart, and because of that, gained an additional 25 years of life here on this earth. But the, the process of opening up a chest cavity stopping the beating heart, uh, replacing arteries or valves, or in some cases, the entire heart itself, and then restarting the heart and closing up the chest and getting the patient up and walking the next day is really quite daunting. Um, Painful, really, but life-saving. Today's sermon is like open heart surgery Uh, delicate it can be a bit uncomfortable but i pray it will be life-saving for you as well the holy spirit is the surgeon and the word of christ is like a scalpel in his skillful hands making incisions at just the right spot to fix our hearts that give us renewed life first timothy six talks a lot about money. Um, we will talk about money this week and again in several weeks as we just walk our way through this letter that Paul wrote to, for, to to Timothy. We know it as First Timothy. But this text does not just talk about money. It also talks about your heart or your thoughts and desires as they relate to money. Our sermon text for today talks about contentment. So it, it, it calls us to really ask the question, what is it or who is it that makes you content? And if you are content, you're satisfied. You, you have what you need. You are at peace. You're happy. You're filled with joy. You're thankful. Now, we also know that the opposite of Being content is being restless, it's wanting more, it's craving for more, not being satisfied, unhappy, and maybe even being anxious and unsettled and even uh, angry or fearful. I said today's sermon is like heart surgery. I, I say that because when the Bible talks about money and contentment, it exposes our hearts. It even reveals the current condition of our relationship with God. It, it opens up our hearts and we become aware of what God sees and often what others see and even before we see it ourselves. It reveals what is in our hearts and so the process can be delicate Um, we can feel vulnerable it it can be uncomfortable to see things in our heart that are not healthy but it's a good thing it's a needed thing when our hearts are exposed we see things that need fixed and it's not always easy or pleasant but the process of having our hearts laid bare before God and others is in fact life-giving It gives us opportunities to become healthy in how we think about god how we think about money and material things now verse 6 of first timothy chapter 6 begins by saying but godliness with contentment is great gain Um, this is in contrast to the end of verse 5 which states that false teachers imagined that godliness is a means of gain now when paul said that he wasn't so much exposing those who promote a prosperity gospel which promised obscene wealth for those who truly believe but rather paul is exposing those who think godliness will be what makes for a better life as defined by material gain in this way of thinking material gain was the greatest good. They, they think if you seek godliness, it could give you what you really want deep down in your heart, which is really material gain. So godliness for the false teachers becomes nothing more than a means to an end, which is material gain. So in sharp contrast to that false gospel, Paul says in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, back in verse 3, we learn that the true gospel will produce godliness in our lives. And as a reminder, godliness is a way of life devoted to God. It, it speaks of the genuine desire of your heart to follow and obey Jesus because you love him and because you want to honor him above all else. You have that desire only because he first loved you in Christ. And so we know that the character of a godly person has a genuine Godward devotion in their life. Now here in verse 6, Paul is saying that when we are content with godliness, that then, then we have in fact experienced great gain. Um, you, you benefit most when you are satisfied in life with godliness. It's not money or material things that satisfies you most, it's godliness. It's knowing that you are loved by God and that the death, burial, and resurrection are proof of God's love for you. And now, in a faith-filled response to His love You desire to live your life devoted to following and loving Christ with all of your heart. And so godliness with contentment is great gain. And the reason for that is found in verse 7. Here we learn that that which has the greatest value is what has eternal value. Uh, Verse 7 says, if we brought nothing into the world, we cannot take anything out of the world. So the question is, what material possession did you bring into the world? And we all have to say it's absolutely nothing. And then secondly, what what material possessions will you take with you when you die? And again, absolutely nothing. The old folksy saying, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul is really true. Um, what gives lasting value and meaning to life is never material things. Um, though it must be said, and we'll talk about this a little bit later uh, when we get to the end of chapter 6, that we, we learn there that the material things God has blessed us with, uh, he, He's blessed us with those things for our enjoyment. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that In a couple of weeks. But any gifts should cause our love to grow for the giver. Um, And again, come back in several weeks, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But for now, I want you to see what Paul said in verse 7 really echo the words of Job. Uh, You know, the Old Testament character of Job that experienced great suffering. So these words that Paul spoke in verse 7 echo the words of Job after he learned of devastating loss in his life. We're told in the first chapter of Job that after he received word that his wealth, all of his wealth and even his children were gone, his response was that he fell down and worshipped the Lord. Then he said this in chapter 1, verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So if his ultimate hope and joy were tied to material things, or even to his children, he would have cursed God and died. In fact, his wife wanted him to do that. But instead, Job, in response to experiencing all of this loss, blessed the name of the Lord. He spoke well of the name of the Lord. He worshiped the Lord. For, for you see, we are created by God, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus to know God and to worship God with our whole being. What will bring you lasting joy and, con- and contentment in life is knowing God, not, not having more material things. Now, we can know that to be true um, intellectually in our minds, but we still feel the, the pull and the grip of material things. We are tempted to hold on to material things, to... Um, I, I'm astonished how quickly we can accumulate things. Um, but it's not even just things. It's, it's that we think we must have things. Uh, we, we all of us live in a consumer age where marketing experts are constantly working to convince you that you need the newest and the latest thing. And our, our sinful flesh just feeds on that. More and more things is what we must have. But verse 8 teaches us that true contentment is not dependent on material things. Verse 8 says, But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. So God intends for you to live here on this earth. And there are certain things that we need in this lifetime for life here on this earth. Our, our sinful tendency is to make that list of what we need a lot longer than what it really needs to be. Um, we, we wrestle all the time with distinguishing a need from a want. Um, and if you are anything like me, you are skillful in coming up with a list of reasons why what you want is really a need. I have to have it. Uh, we, we can be very convincing to ourselves, but verse 8 teaches us that what we really need in this lifetime is far more basic than what we make it to be most of the time. The word here for clothing is most literally uh, a, a covering, uh, and by definition it can mean clothing or shelter or even a house. Um, so I, I think the, the, the point that Paul's making is that contentment, our contentment is not dependent upon an abundance of material things. Um, in fact, turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. And here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, Paul tells us that he has learned the secret of being content, uh, even when he was hungry and in need. Um, So listen as I read Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 17. Now, he he tells us this, what I'm about to read. He tells us this um, after he's already told us not to be anxious about anything. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that's the context. And then he comes to verse 10. He says this to the church there in Philippi. I rejoice in the, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity Not that I'm speaking of being a need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So I want you to notice how Paul learned to be content in every circumstance. Uh, When facing plenty and hunger, when facing abundance and need, Paul learned to be content. Um, Jesus was at work in his life, reminding him that even when he went without food, Christ would provide what he really needed to be faithful to do what God had called him to do. Do you remember when Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Paul prayed and he asked Jesus to remove that thorn and Jesus answered not by taking away the thorn but by promising his all-sufficient grace to help him in his weakness. You see, in his weakness and need, he was more keenly aware of his utter dependence upon Jesus and his sustaining grace. We come up with all kinds of things that we think we must have, but we, we can quickly trust those circumstances, and oftentimes God puts us in places where we don't have what we think we need, and it's an opportunity for us to see that what we need most of all is really him. Um, l- listen, if you would... hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 it says this keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said I will never leave you nor forsake you so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what man can do to me do do you see that it's a wonderful truth what why can we be content with what we have it's it's because jesus promises to never leave us nor forsake us jesus promises to be our helper he he is enough to satisfy us there there are so many scripture passages that speak to this particular matter because it it is such a battle for all of us Um, But turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. I I want you to listen to this lengthier passage. Listen to the words of Jesus, starting with verse 19. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, there's a lot of things that we could say there, but let me just say a couple of things. One... I think Jesus teaches us here that we can't expect money and material things to make you content. They can't be the treasure that satisfies our heart. If you do, you'll always be disappointed. So don't think life begins with things or life will be good if all of what you, what, what you think you must have, you in fact have. You, you can't in fact serve both god and money but but notice also as we begin to read verse 25 that god God understands that there are certain things that we do need to live here in this lifetime our heavenly father knows exactly what those needs are look at verse 25 therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body what you will put on Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who don't know God, seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Christ deserves to be our chief desire in life. That we, we must live every day believing with all of our hearts that what we need more than anything else is the faithful presence and care of jesus our first priority in life must be living under the sweet authority and lordship of king jesus with a desire to conform to his moral revealed moral will for our lives knowing that he will carry us and he will sustain us he knows what we need he promises to care for our needs and so we need to guard our hearts against craving things. So instead, crave the great provider of all that you need. I, I, hope, I hope that you have had moments in your life where you didn't know where the next meal is coming from, so to speak. Only to discover that... At just the right time, your Heavenly Father provided for you in faithful ways. I I want you to know and I want you to believe that your Father in Heaven knows what you need. He promises to meet your needs. You need not worry. True, True contentment is not dependent upon material things. Instead, true contentment, satisfaction, joy come when we walk with Christ, knowing that He knows what we really need, and He will faithfully meet our needs. Godliness with contentment is, in fact, great gain. But now as we turn to verses 9 and 10, we learn a second main truth here this morning, and it's this. The love of money will bring great pain. Verse 9 says this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So notice the contrast. On, On the one hand, seeking King Jesus first and foremost leads you to a satisfied and contented life. But when your first desire is to be rich, to have a life filled with financial gain, it is this craving that can lead to great pain. When, when you love money more than God, it will be easy for you to cave into temptation. It, it will be easy to lie, to steal, to think that the end justifies the means. If accumulating wealth is your chief goal, it is easy to fudge the numbers um, or not to be honest about the details of a deal. Paul says this desire to be rich is a snare. It's a trap. It, It gets a hold of us and it won't let you go. And when you are in that trap, it will lead to many other things that will plunge or sink you into ruin and destruction. If all you see or think about is money, then it will be very hard for you to see clearly or to desire the righteous requirements of Jesus. Again, Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. In fact, verse 10 says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So money... hear me out on this. Money is not the problem. A love of money is. And the love of money is not the, the root of all kinds of evil. It is a root of all kinds of evil. So there are many other things that can fuel evil in the lives of people, but the love of money is one of them. That's why one of the qualifications of being an elder is to not be a lover of money. But we must ask: In what ways does a love of money show up in our lives? Well, maybe, maybe you find yourself thinking about money all of the time. Um, it's constantly on your mind. You think about it. You worry about it. Uh, you don't want to lose money. You want to make more and more money. You don't. You, you love what money can do for you. You love the power and the influence money can give. Maybe your identity as a person is wrapped up in the money or the things that you have. Maybe money is your security. You feel like your future is secure when you have a big nest egg to meet your needs. Maybe your life is eaten up with anxiety when the stock market tumbles. So I also want you to know you don't have to have a lot of money, to be a lover of money. Again, money is not the problem. A love of money is. And you can be a lover of money and be dirt poor. And if you are dirt poor and think that more money is your ticket to contentment, there is a good chance that you are, in fact, a lover of money. Because material things will never bring you contentment. Only Jesus can do that. Now... A lover of money maybe isn't necessarily obsessed with making more money, but with spending less. So on the one hand, a love of money can include greed, this desire to get more and more money, but on the other hand, a love of money also hates to spend money. When defining this Greek term for a lover of money, the lexicons use the term miserliness. Um... We, we like to dress it up and just say we're frugal. Uh, we're good stewards. Uh, we don't want to waste money or resources. And, and yes, stewardship is a good thing, but being stingy because we love money isn't being a good steward. I, I say that because Ephesians 4.28 says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, Later in this chapter, which we'll talk about in several weeks, we're told that Those who are rich should be rich in good deeds. So again, money is not the problem. A love of money is. But money or material things will never bring you lasting contentment. Money will never satisfy. Material things will never satisfy. If you think it will, you will never ever have enough. You will always want more. Um, one, one final point this morning, it's this. More money can actually bring more problems, not more contentment. The last half of verse 10 says, it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Um, do, do you remember the parable of the four soils? Um, the seed that fell on the hard soil was quickly snatched up by the evil one. The seed that fell on the shallow, rocky soil sprout quickly, but when trials and persecutions came, it shriveled up. I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 22, about the third soil. It's this, and I quote, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfaithful. So one who loves money has been trapped by the deceitfulness of riches. And there is real danger of wandering away from the faith. This is by itself will bring about many distresses and pangs or pains in, into your life. Proverbs fifteen sixteen says this. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord then great treasure and trouble with it. So let me just repeat our two main points for today. One, godliness with contentment is great gain. And secondly, the love of money, the love of money will bring great pain. The question is, what do we do with these truths? Um, How should we respond? Well, some of you may want to be content, but you struggle to be content when you have material needs. And if this is you, I want you to be encouraged by what Paul said in Philippians 4, that you can learn to be content. In in the moment of weakness and need, as you turn to Christ, you can find in Him what you what will sustain you and keep you and enable you to do the very things that he's called you to do. Even Paul said, I learned that. He didn't naturally end up there. Um, He didn't begin there, but he learned to be content. That's the Spirit's work in your life. Secondly, be encouraged because you have a Heavenly Father who knows what you need. Um, And so make... Make Jesus your first love and and, and desire, knowing that he will empower you to be faithful to him even as you wait for him to meet the needs that you have. Uh, He knows what you need. Trust him. Third, be encouraged because Jesus promises to be enough to satisfy the deep longings of your heart. Um, he, He is enough. Jesus is sufficient to meet the deep longings of your heart. He sees your need. He cares about your need. Trust Him. Um, If you want to be content but struggle to be content, maybe maybe you need to repent of of depending on things rather than Jesus to satisfy you. Um, And if that's the case, the Spirit calls us to turn away from depending on things to bring contentment to turn to jesus and in the gospel there is forgiveness in the gospel there is promise of power to change and so be comforted by the gospel now some of you here this morning secondly may want a godly heart but you recognize that the love of money has a grip on you. What do you do? Well, I think passages like this and others help you to recognize that Jesus alone deserves to be your chief love. Not material things. Not what money will give. Not what money will promise. Jesus alone deserves to be your chief love. Secondly, recognize that you can't take anything with you when you die. And let your view of material things, be influenced by that as you live out your life. Thirdly, recognize that more money won't make you more content, but potentially give you more problems. And so if you're here and you want to have a godly heart, but recognize that the love of money has a grip on your heart, maybe, maybe you need to repent of your idolatrous love of money and if you do cry out to god for mercy ask god to purify your heart so that you love him first and foremost find hope in the gospel in jesus there is forgiveness of sin in jesus there's power to change be comforted and and then in addition to that i would say look look for ways to give to those in need god loves a cheerful giver for, for all of us, me included, I pray that the Holy Spirit will use the scalpel of His Word to make our hearts increasingly healthy so that our greatest love in life will not, will not be money, but be God alone. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your honesty we thank you for the way that you speak into our lives you know us you know what we struggle with you know what we get bombarded with all week long every day Lord we live here in this lifetime and there are things that we do need for life here on this earth and yet we can so easily lose sight of you. We can get so wrapped up in material things. We can get so wrapped up in money that we forget you. And Father, I pray that you would forgive us of those times, for those times when we have loved things more than you and i pray that you by your spirit would give us hope in the gospel knowing that in christ you forgive us and in christ you give us the power to change and i pray that you would help us to change and grow help us to be people who love you first and foremost above all else you you are worthy of that and so father give us hearts that care more about you than anything here on this earth you're you're worthy of that help us i pray in jesus name amen